Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or walmart.com. Welcome to the VBAC Link Podcast. We are a team of expert doulas trained in supporting VBAC, have had VBACs of our own, and work extensively with VBAC women and their providers. We are here to provide detailed VBAC and cesarean prevention stories and facts in a simple, consolidated format. When we were moms preparing to VBAC, it was stories and information like we will be sharing in this podcast that helped fine-tune our intuition and build confidence in our birth preparations. We hope this does the same for you. To hear more about us and to hear our individual VBAC stories, be sure to check out episodes 1, 2, and 3. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Hello to all of our women of strength. This is episode 16, and we have Taylor with us today. We're so excited to hear her story. Along with her VBAC um, story, she's going to be sharing her unique pregnancy journey with her twins. She had TTTS, so that is twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, and she had SIUGR, which is selective interuterine growth restriction. She's going to tell us a little bit more about that and why she chose to VBAC. So Taylor, thank you so much for being with us today. Go ahead and uh, tell us your stories. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I was only 21 years old. My husband was only 25 when we decided we wanted to start our family. And, um, you know, we went into it with the mindset of, well, our one baby. And um, I don't have any twins in my family. He has his grandpa on his dad's side is an identical twin. But from everywhere that I had uh, researched, um, which I had researched up and down because my mother-in-law insisted that I was the uh, her last chance at having twins in the family. And I was bound and determined to, to prove her wrong because I was terrified <laughs> of that thought. <laughs> so uh, I researched my guts out on it and I was like you know what I'm sorry to uh to bring this up at Sunday dinner but I have 
close to zero chance of having twins. So if you want to, like, check that expectation off, that'd be great. <laughs> so um, I, I was like, you know, it passes through the mother's side, whatever. And we go into um, trying to have a baby, and it, it takes us a little while, and I finally get pregnant, and uh, I was pretty sick right off the bat, but, you know, I didn't know really what to expect, and um, my mom went through all of her pregnancies without any sickness, so I just thought, well, I guess I, I'm not like my mom. And <laughs> not so, the lucky um, one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the lucky one. And so um, we get to the morning of our 10-week appointment, and you know, we joke around, I'm sitting in the bathtub, and I'm joking around with Kurt, my husband, and I'm like, well, what if they do tell us it's twins? And he says, well, then I guess we'll deal with it. And um, I'm having, like, dreams that I'm having this little girl, and I'm like, I know it's going to just be a little girl. And so we go to the appointment, and um, we sit down for the ultrasound, and my doctor places the ultrasound on my belly and, you know, we see one and then all of a sudden it's like she, she moves it and smushes it and it's almost like she, she smushed it into two babies. <laughs> and Kurt was like staring at the screen and I was like, there's no way, like that's got to be something else. That's got to be like <laughs> something else growing in there with the baby. And she, my doctor says, well, do you see what I'm seeing? And I'm like, no way. Yeah. Like, well, there's, there's two in there, and my husband swears over in the corner, and I'm just hysterically laughing. Like, this is the biggest joke of my life. Like, are you kidding? Somebody upstairs <laughs> thinks they're funny because I said that there was no chance. You've been jinxed. <laughs> <laughs> and there was. Like, my chances of having twins are just like anybody else but it just happened and it's crazy but so lots of sickness and I was going to school at the time and um, we went to our 18 week appointment and um, it was for the uh, anatomy scan and you know I had noticeably swelled up and um, I looked like I was full term and you know I thought maybe that wasn't okay but um, you know nobody in my family has ever been pregnant with twins and at 18 weeks I thought well I must be like I'm just going to be huge (laughs) this is just what's going to happen this is my fate (laughs) yes so we go to the um, the doctor's appointment and it's with our uh, MSM and um, that's our uh, maternal-fetal medicine doctor. And you go in there, and um, I don't know if, I mean, I know there's some women that pass out easily laying on their backs, but I was just struggling, and I couldn't breathe. There was just so much pressure, and so they had to bring a fan in. They had to bring some crackers in, and um, she finally got this as much as this, of the scan that she could, and, and I could just tell. Like, she did baby A, um, which is my Grady, and he was, everything was fine. She's like, there's his heart, you know, everything they go through. 
And then she goes to baby B and she just gets quiet. And, Hmm. um, you know, I had read up on all complications that could happen just to prepare myself, but I I never planned for it. Um, Just like I didn't plan for twins. (laughs) Right. Um, My chances were slim. And, um, but I also wanted to be prepared to know my resources, to know my options. Um, and the doctor comes in and she says, you know, um, one baby is two weeks behind in size and um, he's, we can't find uh, a, a very visible pocket of fluid. Um, we're worried that if you wait much longer, you might lose him. And, and if you lose him, you're going to lose his brother as well. Mm. And so we um, instantly were asked, you know, my options were, well, you can, um, we can go in and remove some fluid through an amniotic uh, reduction. Um, and we'd have to do that every however often just to keep that fluid down in baby A. So what happens is with twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome, baby A or not necessarily baby A, but the the recipient baby that receives the transfusion of blood gets too much fluid, which then they're processing through their kidneys and their heart is working extra hard to pump that blood through their body, which then creates wow. an excess amount of amniotic fluid. Um, so then they're, they have risks for their heart kind of... Um, having fluid around the heart, having their heart kind of quit on them. And then the donor baby that is um, donating their blood um, through the placenta, um, they are anemic. Their kidneys start to shut down because they're not getting enough fluid, which then leads to no fluid, no amniotic fluid in their sac, Mm, um, which then cuts off oxygen to their brain and... um, you can lose them, obviously, that way, which yeah. also slows down their growth, so they get quite small. Um, so I knew that I could do the amniotic reduction. Um, they also gave me the option of um, termination of one twin, which is oh. usually the, the donor. So hard. And, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, it's... It's like, well, your chances are he still could make it, but to save his brother, you could terminate uh, one of your babies. And then they said, we have this other option that is, um, it's a laser ablation surgery, but only a handful of surgeons do it in the U.S. And um, so they gave me options of, uh, they said, Seattle and California are your closest ones. And I, hmm. you know, I, I see this as a blessing. Um, I had a family friend that her daughters were turning two years old and they were celebrating in Disneyland and they actually had twin-to-twin transfusion syndrome and they went to Dr. Schmidt in Hollywood, California. And so knowing that immediately, I said, that's where I want to go. And mm-hmm. so we flew out that night. 
Um, I, was, I was starting to have contractions um, because I had excess fluid, and um, I was panicking. And I, mind you, I look back and I realize how, how much a baby I was <laughs> carrying these two babies at 21 years old. And um, I was terrified. And so we go, and I had to have a cerclage, and they had to go through my side to um, with a scope, and they go in, and they um, pretty much with a laser, they uh, like they sever all the connections between the twins, so they end up having their own blood supply. Wow. Um, so that they're not wow. sharing anymore and the transfusion doesn't happen anymore. Um, so as they were in there, they had finished with the surgery in only like 12 minutes. And they went out to my husband in the hallway and my mom, and they told my husband, you know, we found out he also has your, your donor baby, who's quite small, also has um, selective intrauterine growth restriction, uh, which means that he has a smaller portion of placenta to work off of, which will mean that his placenta will give out a lot sooner than his brother's. And so wow. he initially didn't have enough blood coming to him, and then now he only has like 15 to 20% of the placenta to grow off of. And he told him, he said, I'd be surprised if he makes it through the night. And my husband, you know, he didn't tell me this until our boys were born because I don't think he ever wanted me to know that. He wanted me to hold on to that hope. And mm-hmm. um, next, the next day you go in for a ultrasound and we were just trying to get through the night. And I had went into labor that night and my, my water was leaking and... I, it was, you know, I had one shot in my arm um, to stop the contractions, and then the nurse comes around and shoots another one in my, my other arm, and it's just chaos, and it's just like everybody's trying to save these babies, and I can't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, well, how little are they? Do I even know what I would bury these tiny little babies in? And um do you get to bury babies this little? And, um, oh, my goodness. You know, I'm going through all these thoughts in my mind. And um, I finally felt this peace that everything's going to be okay. And uh, and I held on to that. And I held on to, you know what, even if they, they don't make it, I'll be okay. Mm. And for some reason, that peace and calm stopped everything and I made it through the night and we got to the appointment the next day and um, there were two heartbeats on the scan and everybody was just blown away oh my gosh that's amazing (laughs) the doctor came in and he was like you know what I don't I I don't have any explanation for you but I am um, I am very optimistic that that you will make it now and I wasn't last night and he said if we can make it to 28 weeks and get those babies here at 28 weeks then um, I think that would be great but if you can make it further that's even better and 
uh, you know, months go by of uh, being on bed rest and um, lots of anxiety, lots of panic because I, I am worried because I don't know what's going on inside there. I don't know if they're making yeah. it. It's living day by day and, you know, we... Um, we made it to 34 weeks. <laughs> it was a it was a miracle. You know wow. that. You know that day was that day was pretty great. I didn't care how they got here. It was like let's just get them here. And I ate breakfast that morning. I wasn't supposed to, but I did because it was <laughs> celebration for having these babies. Yes. Yeah. Today, and so we had them and Theo. Our baby B, who was our donor and our uh, IUGR baby, he was only three pounds at um, 34 weeks. 34 and, weeks, oh man! <laughs> and um, Grady was almost five pounds, so we had a good two pounds between them. And but uh, Theo didn't have to be on oxygen as long as Grady because he fought really hard. So going through that experience um, and then recovery of C-section while trying to catch rides over to the hospital to see my babies in the NICU and um, it was just, it was trauma from nearly day one. I had to work through a lot of PTSD. Me and my husband still do. Um, Any happens like a high fever or we go into panic mode Mm -hmm. with both of them and so um it seemed really healing to me to go the route of a VBAC with my next baby I just wanted I wanted the least amount of doctor's appointments I wanted um I didn't want to have to think about it I just wanted to enjoy it and so we we planned to get pregnant a little later than we did, but it happened quicker than the twins and um, found out we were having another little boy. And I started planning this VBAC, and I was adamant about it. And my doctor was kind of um, so-so on it. She, she was like, well, you're a good candidate. She was She was supportive, but, you know, it's hard to find that 100% supportive, clear to the day you're having your baby. I feel like it's hard to find that in a hospital a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, at least that's what I feel like is common of the stories that I've been told of other women. And, you know, from day one I was told, you have to be your, your greatest advocate. You have to be your baby's greatest advocate. And if that means telling somebody no, then that is what you need to do, and that's what matters. And so I, you know, no complications with this baby. We went straight to 40 weeks, Um, and, you know, it was like probably six days before my due date, and we went to my doctor's office, and she checked me, and, you know, she tells me, well, you're only at a one and you're not really moving much in the past week. And and she says to me, you know, if he's 
if you get kind of tired with it, you can tell me and we can just schedule the C-section. Oh. And, and I was so oh. bothered at that point because I'm like, just because I'm tired of being pregnant, you think that, that that's going to change my mind. But also it was mm-hmm. frustrating to me because any mom in that moment is very vulnerable mm-hmm. because yeah. you are... You, you are tired and you are, you want to see that baby so bad and in the wrong, the wrong circumstances that's, that can really change someone's outcome. And, and that was frustrating to me, but my husband was really tired of hearing it and he goes, you know what, we'll see you in a week. Oh, <laughs> good for him. And, <laughs> and um, she also, it, he was born over the, uh, he was born July 23rd, and so oh. she, my doctor was going on vacation for the 24th of July and um, going camping like everybody does here in Utah, and and uh, so she wanted to be there, and she said, oh, man, if you were just a little bit further, I would probably strip your membranes and just... And, and she kind of like went off all the rails of everything she told me that she would even do. Hmm. And I didn't like it. It was like at that point, because she wanted to rush things along, she was okay with it. But hmm. my husband, like I That's said, unfortunate. Said, you know what? We'll see you in a week. And so we went home. That that um, Saturday was my due date, and we went to Spider Man, the new Spider Man, with my <laughs> boys. And I'd walked around all day. I hadn't had any contractions. I was like, you know what? He's real. This little boy is gonna make me wait. That he's gonna test my patience. And <laughs> I said, I'd been, you know, I'd been contracting all the whole week before, and just like, not not active labor, but enough to where your body is tired and yeah, prodromal labor. Yeah, yeah, and just like, okay, well, when is this gonna happen? And Saturday rolls around, like I said, and and nothing. I'm like, really? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> and I, we leave the movie theater and um, we decide to head home. And it's about 11 o'clock by the time I get in bed. And and I told my husband, I said, I just have a feeling that something's going to happen tonight. I just have a feeling. Even though nothing, nothing has really shown signs of that. And he's like, yeah, whatever. And he rolls over and falls asleep, and I said, well, if you have me waking you up, and he's like, I don't think it's going to happen, and <laughs> I lay down, and, you know, I'm I'm sure there's other people out there that think this is really weird, but I'm an avid Dr. Pimp Popper watcher on YouTube at nighttime. Oh, oh. <laughs> I know that sounds really weird, but I like to watch it at bedtime, to like turn my mind off, it's weird. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> I watch it. So I got in bed and I had like a pretty strong contraction, and I was like, okay. I thought I had to go to the bathroom, so I went to the bathroom and and then I went and got back in bed, and I, there's no way I have to go to the bathroom again. And, you know, I've never, I had never felt real contractions. I had um, never went into labor. So I had no idea. I had no idea what to expect. Right. And went to the bathroom again and felt like a trickle, um, almost like 
when you start your period. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I was like, okay, well, I looked in the toilet, and there was, like, a tinge of blood. And got back in bed, and like, well, maybe, maybe that means something. I don't know. And that's when the contraction started so hard, I had to, like, grip the sheets. Mm-hmm. And... And then I went to the toilet again, and my water broke even more. And I started that, like, uncontrollable shaking. And um, it was just going so fast. And I didn't, I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if I was just being a big, fat baby. (laughs) It was, like, (laughs) worse than I expected. And um, I'm yelling at my husband, and he's not waking up, but I'm on the toilet, can't move because I'm right in the middle of one. And he is just out, and I'm like, hey, I'm serious. And he rolls over, and he's like, are you sure? (laughs) I'm pretty sure. Positive. (laughs) Yeah. And so my, I call my mom, and I'm like, okay, well, I'm still second-guessing myself here, even though it hurts pretty bad. And she's hearing me on the phone, and she's hearing the noises coming out of me. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to just probably come over. And she comes over, and we start timing them, and they're coming so fast. And I start having them every minute and a half. And this was only from wow. like 11 o'clock until it was 12.30. So in an hour and a half, I was... A minute and a half apart. Yeah. Oh, my and gosh. It, hard, hard, hard contractions. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I am a baby. No, I, I'm sure you're not. <laughs> I felt like, okay, this must be the worst labor in the history of labor. But... um. My mom came, she stayed with our twins, and we started heading over to our hospital, which is um, 30 minutes away. And just the sitting upright in a car is the most painful way to labor. I don't know if anybody else knows that. It is a hard spot. feeling. It's a hard spot. Yeah, and just, uh, it was, you know, and I had been watching the... um, what is it called? The the midwives show on Netflix. Um, oh, call the midwives. Yes, that. Yeah. And my husband made fun of all the noises the women make on that show when they're having their babies, and he's like, "That's not really how it is." And then when he started going into labor, he realized that that's pretty accurate because I was just the the ooing and the mooing and the <laughs> trying to make it through. Open and through. We, yeah. And we get into the parking lot and I had to stop and like just the bending over felt a lot of relief. But we got up there and um, they didn't even uh, question anything. <laughs> they just yeah. put me right in the room and um, because I had a C-section, they immediately got the anesthesiologist coming in and... Um, wanted to have that catheter placed, the epidural placed just for if we needed to have the C-section. And mm-hmm. I decided at that point that I would like the medication. And um, they checked me at that point, and I was already to a five. So 
I had went really quickly to a five. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, I, I think that it would have went relatively quick if I wouldn't have got the epidural. But um, so we got that epidural and it naturally slowed everything down and we tried um, the the peanut ball, we tried uh, just rotating a lot, making sure I wasn't staying in one place and um, it ended up being through the night, um, probably about 6 a.m. that they said they wanted to start Pitocin and uh, they had actually asked me if I wanted to before then, and I was like, well, what are my other options? I've heard of the peanut ball. We tried that, and it it didn't really get me much further. And so we, we started the, the Pitocin, and they only did, I think, 0.5, and it got things going pretty hard again. And I had him, I think, about five hours later, but I had I pushed for two hours. Um, he just kept crowning, and the cord was around his neck. But he came out in um, at twelve, and the it was like the most perfect overcast day. And we had our photographer there, and I just you know I I told my family that we wanted that moment just for us and just for Kurt and I to get to know this baby and for it to be quiet and that first 24 hours alone and just that that was the most perfect overcast day like the sun was just perfect coming through the windows and then that baby was handed to me and then everybody just dispersed and it was quiet and it just felt like finally I had that moment that as a little girl I had imagined with having my babies and and I was so happy because at you know when I had that c-section I was given so much and those babies my twins were a huge blessing and I wouldn't take it away because that was the safest way for them to get here but I I did feel a sense of being gypped out of something I imagined for forever and yeah. so finally being able to experience that and experience something I feel like my body was made for um, was liberating and it was beautiful and it was perfect. And yeah. we got to enjoy that little baby together and capture a few pictures and it was you just perfect. Know, oh, I love it. I saw some of your pictures too because... It, no, um, it's your sister, right, um, that owns Finn and Vince? Yes, my sister-in-law. It's my brother's wife. And your sister-in-law. Yep. Yeah, so um, that is how I was able to con- um, connect with you. And, and she was so sweet, and she blogged about um, the Utah VBAC group and the VBAC link on their adorable website of their, like, <laughs> kids' clothing line on finnandvince.com. Yeah. For the moms who want to go check it out, it's seriously, it's so adorable. And um, she used your pictures on the blog post. And, oh, my gosh, that picture of you just holding him on your chest, just like, oh, it just brings so much joy. Like, it's just such a peaceful picture. And it's, 
Oh, I just love it. I love it. That's, and that's how it felt. It was perfect. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much for sharing your stories and sharing about your twins. Like, I had never, I mean, I had kind of heard about it, but didn't really know, like, really just how crazy and and how rare it is. And I had never heard of the, um, did you, it was a scope, is that what they did it? Like, uh-huh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I never heard of that. Yeah, I didn't even really know what I was um, expecting, what to expect going into it, really. Um, but, yeah, I still have the, the tiny little scar on my left side. And, you know, coincidentally, I have two little tiny stretch marks that, that grew off of it. And I think those are indication of my two little boys. I don't know. Aww. I like to think that's my little twin scar on my left Your side. Your twin so. scar. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it so much. And I'm so happy that you were able to come and, um, on the podcast and share with us. We really, really appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, um, in addition to this episode, I want to share a little bit of information about TOLAC. Um, a lot of moms have maybe heard the word TOLAC. Have you ever heard that? That uh, um, I have term. So um, I I know I was confused when you know I was trying to be back with my um, second baby and they kept saying she's a TOLAC, she's a TOLAC, and you know I, I was like, no, I'm a VBAC, like I'm VBACing, and so I wanted to kind of touch on TOLAC. Um, so a TOLAC is the definition of a TOLAC is a trial of labor after cesarean. Um, they say that a TOLAC is an attempt to have a VBAC. And if it is a, success, a successful TOLAC that um, results in a vaginal birth, it's then called a VBAC. So in my mind, this is just something that is, it's a medical term. It's a medical term that you might hear. So. Um, just in the future, on future episodes, and as you are doing research, um, just know that that TOLAC is pretty much a plan to be back. <laughs> um, and you can find out more information, you know, all around the, you know, Google, just Google T-O-L-A-C, um, and ACOG has a website that we'll have in the show notes for, that kind of goes more into TOLAC. So, Thank you again, Taylor, for being with us today. And, um, yeah, I just, I really appreciate you, and I can't wait to get your episode posted. We are always looking for more inspiring stories. To share your story or possibly be on one of our podcasts, post on social media with a hashtag, WhyWeVBAC, and tag at the VBAC link, or contact us from our website. Be sure to rate us and share and leave your reviews. We are excited to hear what you think. For families local to Utah, be sure to check out our website, utahvbacklink.com, for more information on our VBAC childbirth classes and doula services. Thank you so much for listening. We are excited for you to begin your journey with us.